0: Amen. Words are the most powerful tools used by man. As hearts and souls reach for one another, sharing feelings of fear, wisdom, and joy, or our love for a significant other. Where we would be without words which inspire, unite, and motivate, songs, poems, stories, blogs, and books wars religion love lust and hate jesus preached words to the multitudes and nourished their hunger within the stories we tell portray our spirit as examples of weakness triumph or sin when we fail to control the rage of our thoughts what is easy to say becomes hard to forgive words are visions which portray our intent the better we communicate the better we live how many of you know that our words are very, very powerful? If you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write down this title, Victory in Your House. Look at somebody and say, Victory in Your House. Oh, say it like you mean it. Look at somebody and say, Victory in Your House. You see, some of us, we, we need to recognize that, uh, uh, that we, need to, we need to be reaching out to God in this hour. We need to understand that it is God alone that is going to bring victory in our house. Not what anyone else will say, not what any politician can promise, not what anyone can do for me. Hello, somebody. I say it only God can bring victory in our house. And it's very important for us to understand that the climate in our home is directly related to the words that you and I use that will bring victory or defeat in our home. So let me ask you this morning, how is the the climate in your home? How is the climate? The things that we say in our homes, the things we say to our children, the things that we say to our spouses, to our friends, to our co-workers, they all have an effect on the temperature of our lives. And for us to walk in true victory, it has to begin with us recognizing That our words shape others just as much as they affect us. And I want you to write this down. And I want you to remember this. That your words are never void of power. Your words are never void of power. They're always doing one of two things. Your words are either building up or they're tearing down. Now sometimes things need to be built up and sometimes they don't. Sometimes things need to be torn down and sometimes they don't. But your words are never void of power. They're always creating or destroying. You can build a person up or tear them down by the things you say to them. Your words are always influencing someone or something in a positive or a negative way. You think about God and how he created the worlds. In Genesis chapter 1, God talks about how he made the heavens and the earth. And he talks about how he said, let there be what? Lights. And then what happened? There was light. Now think about this with me for a minute. God spoke, let there be light, and there was light. Understand this. God is the author of everything. God is the author of every law of everything that uh, he, he chose to operate within. Now, God, and I say that to say God didn't have to speak to create the world's. Do you think God in all of his power and all of his authority and all of his might could have thought the worlds into existence? Think he could have breathed his breath and all of a sudden the worlds were formed? Of course he could have. But God chose to set the foundation and these laws in place. His sovereignty, he chose to set these foundations in place by speaking. And then we see various times throughout Scripture where God would speak and things would change. Things would happen because God said, because God spoke. Now, I believe that God chose to speak the worlds into existence because he created us in his image. And he wanted us to understand that our words, the way he was going to set things up and set things in motion, our words were going to be powerful. That our words could either create or our words could destroy. Our words could either heal or they could cripple. He wanted us to understand that our words are never void of power. Now, he chose to speak to show us that our words have the ability to create. So I want to ask you this question. What kind of atmosphere is being created in your relationships and in your home? What kind of an atmosphere is being created by the words that are spoken there? by the things that are said at work, by the emails, by the text messages, by the Facebooks, by the things that we say on the the phone, by the things that we say to one another, and the tones that we carry those things and the attitudes in which we carry them with. How are those things shaping and affecting the climate of your home? How are the things that we speak affecting the way we feel about things? The way that we react to certain situations? Your words are very powerful. And the Bible talks about this in the book of Proverbs, chapter 18. If you have your Bible this morning, flip over there. I want you to see this in Proverbs, chapter 18, and verse 21. This is how powerful that your words are. Proverbs 18 and verse 21 says this, that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Death and life are in the power of the what? The tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. The climate in your house is in your tongue. Hello, somebody. See, we've been talking about out of order, about reaching families we've been talking about how things can get out of order and out of control in our home how things can get so far away from God's intent and the way that God wanted things to be let me tell you folks I believe in family okay I believe that God values family amen and I believe that the enemy is attacking the family He's attacking the family unit. He's attacking our ideas and our morals and our values about what family should look like, how it should operate, what it should be. And everyone wants to redefine it and everyone wants to be postmodern traditionalism because they want to redefine it to the way that they like it and the way they think it should be. And let me tell you, folks, it is straying away from God's intent. Oh, like five people listening to me this morning. I said it's straying away from God's intent. you've got to get this and you and I have to understand that the family is under attack and things are out of order they are out of control in the mindset of the mainstream that this world is trying to push on us and shove down our throats Mm -hmm. so I have to find something that transcends something that trumps what the world would tell me is normal Because everyone is wanting to tell me what normal looks like. The world wants to tell me. Television wants to tell me. The latest sitcom wants to tell me what normal looks like. And if we drink the Kool-Aid and we buy what they're selling, we're going to destroy the very foundation which God had to build upon. Let me tell you, if we drink the Kool-Aid, if we buy into this junk... And we start giving everybody a free pass. And we think, oh, well, it's okay. You can believe that way. I'll believe this way. We can all just be one happy family. Have you seen the coexist bumper stickers? They drive me nuts, okay? I believe that we can coexist with other beliefs. But let me tell you, Jesus is still the only way. That doesn't mean we go around hitting everybody on the head that has a different view than us. But Jesus is still the only way. I'm not going to go around and slap everybody around that thinks differently. But at the same time, I have to stand for what I believe in. And if the family is under attack, somebody has to stand up in this hour and be men and women that God has called us to be. Be the moms and dads that he's called us to be. Be the sons and daughters, the employers and employees, the friends, the relatives. Somebody's got to stand up and be the children of God that he's called us to be in this hour. Amen? Amen? Because the very values, come on, yeah, one claps, everybody claps. You know the rules? <laughs> you know, because our, the, the, the very ideology that's in Scripture, the very core, it, it, it's under attack. And the enemy wants to show us how out of order that things are because you're the, you're, you're the minority. This is not how everyone thinks. And he wants us to try to get to believe that. He wants us to try to get to believe that we're the the, the oddballs, that that everyone else is right and and, and the scriptures are wrong. And so he comes and attacks the family. And he wants us to begin to do things that will cause strife and division in our homes. He wants to sow discord in the church. Hello, somebody. He, He wants to sow discord in my relationship with my parents or my children. He wants to try to sow discord and division between me and my boss or me and my friends because if he can drive a wedge between us and he is beginning to separate the very thing that we will be able to stand on when the storms of life should come. The very thing that we're supposed to hold on to regardless of the situation or the circumstance. He wants to weave in and try to weaken that bond and weaken that stronghold that God wants us to have in our lives of faith and trust in Him. And then we begin to question God. We begin to question what is normal. We begin to question what is right. And oh, I guess that it's okay. I guess God didn't really mean that when He said this. I think God meant it, don't you? Amen? I think God meant it when He said that He created Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. Amen? I think God meant it when he said that, 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 that he wants us to live a life that is pure and holy before him. He says, be holy as I am holy. I think he meant that. I think that he meant it when he said, raise a child up in the way he should go and when he's old he won't depart. I think he meant for us to do that. Amen? And those things are under attack, folks. Those things are under attack and we've got to stand up and we've got to find victory in our homes. We've got to find victory with our children. We've got to find victory in our relationships. And let me tell you, it's going to start with the kind of words that you and I are speaking and the kind of words that you and I are listening to. Mm -hmm. The climate in your house is in your tongue. So how do you communicate? How do you communicate? What are the words that you're saying? What are the things, the ideals that you're conveying? How how do you communicate? Because how many of you know that saying it louder doesn't mean you're saying it stronger? Some people think if I can just get loud and holler at him, he'll get it through his thick head. If I just say it louder, if I slam a door, if I scream or if I kick something, maybe then they'll understand. Some people train their children that no doesn't mean anything until I get to two and three quarters. And then they listen, one, two, three and a quarter, three and a half, three and two and three quarters. Oh, two and three quarters, mom's for real then. And then we wonder, we wonder why the teacher's having such a hard time controlling our children. It's because you train them not to respond to the first instruction. You see, it doesn't start there, it starts in your home. Amen? Amen. You see, we we got to get past this idea of letting someone else fix our problems and fix the things we don't like in our children or fix the things we don't like in our spouse. It starts in our home. Amen? Amen. You and I are the ones that are responsible and the ones that should be held accountable to that. Even the church. I I remember that there was a board member in a church where I was a youth pastor and his kid went... I'll just tell you this story. I haven't told anybody this yet. This wasn't even first service, y'all. Listen. Okay. And I don't know why I take my glasses off every time I tell a story. <laughs> I haven't figured that out. But, but anyways, th- this kid uh, bought some underwater dynamite, uh, like like the fire firecrackers. You know, not real dynamite. He bought some. It's called underwater dynamite, though. The fuses will light on, you know, and stay lit underwater. And uh, he asked his dad if he could go and and you know blow some of his fireworks up his dad said no you have to wait till the 4th of july well uh little kid he got he got excited and you know a little kid 14 15 years old decides i've got an idea i'm going to stick the underwater dynamite in the commode (laughs) yeah and he lights it and sticks it in there and the thing just blows up and who does the dad call the youth pastor, right? Because, of course, that's who's responsible. And he says, why did my kid do this? And I said, I don't know. <laughs> well, you sold him the stuff because we ran fireworks stands and, and that was one thing. And he said, well, you should be teaching them better than that. What are you doing? I can't believe that the youth pastor's not teaching their kids to not do this and this. And I said, sir, I said, that needs to start with you. Because it's not my responsibility as a youth pastor because your child made a poor decision. You see, we got to stop passing the buck. We got we got to stop passing the blame. We got to take responsibility and say, you know what? This is my house, and I need to make decisions in my home. That's going to be the best for everyone, and not let someone else raise my children. Hello, too many children are being raised by SpongeBob SquarePants and that creepy guy with the orange hat from that Yo Gabba Gabba show. Too many kids are being raised up by television or by the internet or by computers. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't let your children ever watch anything fun or have anything, but I'm telling you, we got to stop letting other people raise our children. I, rem- I remember there was a, there was a movie um, uh, where uh, there was a couple that had a kid. They were always so busy with work all the time that the kid stayed with the nanny and she was Hispanic and she only spoke Spanish and the kid couldn't even speak English. All he spoke was Spanish. And when mom and dad would come home and he, the kid would speak Spanish because he's basically raised by the sitter. You know, we, we've got to start... Taking responsibility and stop letting someone else do it, man, this isn't even the sermon I preached this morning. Let me tell you what earlier. Mm, y'all, y'all are getting victory in your house 2.0. <laughs> saying it stronger doesn't mean, saying it louder doesn't mean saying it stronger. Let me tell you what else, folks: Breaking things, slamming doors, putting other people down, bringing up the past. It doesn't build up, and guess what? It doesn't help. And let me tell you something. I want you to listen to me real close. If it doesn't fix the problem, stop doing it. If it's not helping the situation, stop doing it. When was the last time that you put your spouse down or belittled them that that helped them? Oh, all of a sudden I just realized when she said that I was a moron and and my parents should have raised me better and the fact that, you know, uh, I I get it now. I completely understand. Thank you, honey, for that. I appreciate that (laughs) so much. Thank you for calling me an imbecile. Thank you for calling me. Thank you so much because now my eyes are opened and I understand my problems. (laughs) When was the last time somebody said that? Never, right? I mean, no one's ever said that because it doesn't help. What does it do? It drives a wedge. Well, I remember back whenever you did this and this and this. Always bring up the past, throwing stuff up in another person's face. The climate in your house is in your tongue. Oh, mercy. If it ain't working, stop doing it. If counting to three ain't working, stop doing it. All we do when we do that, if we do get the reaction we want, all we do is instill fear in the other people. To, and, and they're just afraid of our reaction. We never really solve the problem. We just make people afraid of how crazy we're going to get. Oh, mom's about to blow up. But we better stop now because she's about to get crazy. She's getting her crazy hairnet off and she's about to go wild and chase after us with a broom. Oh, I know when she gets that tone, I'm getting scared now. Well, it's not about getting scared of the reaction. It's about obeying because of respect in the first place. See, when I was uh, I, when I was a teenager, I worked in a grocery store, and uh, actually, I was a part-time youth pastor during this time. So, I was part-time youth pastor at a church, and I was working in the grocery store at the same time. And I came in late for work one day, and, uh, and which wasn't like me. I was, you know, always on time, but I came into work this one I, probably about 10, 15 minutes. I mean, late. And this was before everybody had a cell phone and. And uh, so I couldn't have, you know, called him. It was just my own fault. And I, I come in, and my manager just rips me up and down. I mean, this guy just tells me, you know, he he goes off on me for being late right there in front of everybody because our little thing where we signed in and, and, and on our on our time clock was right there at the front of the grocery store. And so here I am in front of everybody in the grocery store putting in my little number to clock into work. And he comes down there and just gives me the what for. Tells me, because he knew I was a part-time youth pastor. He told me this. He said, he said, if that were the kids in your youth group, how would you feel if they showed up late for your youth service? And He just rakes me over the coals right there in front of everybody. And I just had the worst day because, I mean, my manager had never treated me like that before in my life. I felt absolutely terrible. And then I go home next day and I, I knew I had to go into work. And I was kind of dreading it because I remember, you know, oh, man, he's probably still pretty mad at me. And I was afraid of his reaction at that point. But then my phone rings. And it was my manager. And he calls me and says, Derek, I want to uh, apologize to you before you come into work today. He said, "Uh, I was wrong for getting on to you yesterday uh, the way that I did. He said, I'd had a really bad morning and I took it out on you and I shouldn't have done that. And I told him, I said, no, no, no. I said, you know, I told him, I said, no, you, I said, you were right. I said, I was wrong. I said, I should have been there on time. I said, you're right for getting on to me. I said, you, you never get on to me about anything. I said, I did wrong. He said, no, 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 you don't understand. He said, I don't care that you were late as much as he said, the way that I treated you. He said, that was wrong. I should not have reacted that way. He said, I respect you a lot more than that. He said, and I want you to respect me more than that. I said, will you forgive me? Now, that's the kind of guy you want to work for. That's the kind of guy that you'll work overtime for and come in on a Saturday for right there when you're 18 years old. The kind of guy that trusts you, the kind of guy that you can trust. Now, I promise you, from that moment on, I was never late again. But I wasn't not late because I was afraid he was going to react that way. I chose not to be late from that point on because I respected him more than that. And because I valued my job more than that. And because I didn't want to cause him any more stress or strain on his job because I had more respect for him and I thought more of him. Not because I was afraid of him. Too many times, folks, we try to manipulate and control people by creating this this, this dominance and this fear in other people to where it's so unhealthy that they're afraid of us getting mad and so they do what we want them to do. And they just stay down like this and they, yeah, okay, yeah, whatever. I just don't want to make my husband mad or I don't want to make my wife angry or I don't want to make my mom or dad mad or I don't want to make my boss mad. So, And it's not a healthy relationship. It's unhealthy because it's controlled and manipulated by fear. But that climate, that climate is in your tongue. It's in what you say and how you say it. Amen? That's why you shouldn't get upset and offended over that text message or email because you don't know how it was said. If you have a problem with a text message or an email, you need to give that person a call and say, hey, what did you mean when you said that? Instead of getting all worked up over something goofy, hello somebody. I ain't talking to anybody that's on Facebook, am I? You see, when we instill that fear in other people of our reaction, we don't solve the main problem. We don't solve the problem. We just make them afraid of our reaction. Think about this for a minute. In our relationships, how did we get together to begin with? You know, we think about marriage relationships. We, we communicated. We talked. And what did we love to do together when we were first dating? We loved to talk. We'd stay on the phone until there was nothing left to say except, oh. are you still there? <laughs> yeah. What are you doing? Oh, nothing. Where are you doing nothing? I miss you. I miss you more. I love you. I love you more. We didn't have nothing to say to each other because we done talked out so much. There was nothing left to figure out. We talked and talked and talked and talked. And that was the thing that brought us together was the fact that we loved spending time with one another. Oh, I could just, I love this person. We can just talk. We have so much in common. Oh, I just love talking to them. Oh, we stay up all night just talking that's how those relationships start off and then later on down the road those words that were once said in the beginning words are the very thing that begin to drive us apart. I don't have feelings for you. I never really loved you. Why I wish you were more like him or I wish you were more like this person. And we begin to say destructive things to one another and the very same things that we enjoyed in the beginning of our relationship and getting to know one another Those words become some of the very things we use and that the enemy can twist and use in our relationships to bring heat and division and hurt and scars. Your attitude towards other people is also affected by the words that you speak and the words that you listen to. I said the words you speak and the words you listen to. See, it's not just the things we say, it's the things that we allow ourselves to hear and be influenced by. Amen? I remember when I was a youth pastor in Oklahoma that. my pastor didn't necessarily care for this certain minister, and I had never heard the guy before. I knew who he was. He had a big church in Dallas, and, and he, you know, I, I'd never listened to him, and all I knew was that my pastor would always tell me, oh, you don't want to listen to that guy. He's just a bunch of hype. He's just a bunch of fluff. He's just, he's just full of hype. He, he doesn't really say anything when he gets up there and preaches. He just gets up there and gets everybody excited and, and doesn't really say a whole lot of content if you really listen to what he says. And so guess what? When other people would ask me about this minister, guess what I would say? Have I heard the guy preach? Absolutely not. But I knew exactly what to tell him about the guy. I would tell him, well, there's nothing to him. He's just a bunch of fluff. He just likes to get people all hyped up. What was I doing? I had taken someone else's opinion and made it my own, and I had no way to back that up at all. And so I said this for years. I, I said this about this certain minister. When people would ask me or when he'd come up in a conversation, my tone was immediately negative because of the words that I listened to. Now, one day my mom came up to visit us in Oklahoma, and she brings me a stack of four DVDs, and guess who they're of <laughs> this guy. And I said, Mom, why'd you bring me these DVDs? I don't want to listen to this guy. He's just a bunch of fluff. He's a bunch of hype. He doesn't get any, he doesn't have any content to him. Because you know, us Christians, we like deep stuff. Oh, give me something deep. Ooh, gives me chills down my back, right? We want deep. I wanted something deep. I didn't want none of that fluff pieces over there that he was. So anyways, stuff sitting there. And I went through a period in my life while I was at that church where I was really struggling just with finding my own identity, finding who I was as a, as a minister. I went through some things just trying to find myself as a young man and as a husband, as a youth pastor. I was just trying to figure things out. And I went through a period where I was just struggling. And I was just like, God, you know, I, I don't know what else to do. And there were those DVDs sitting there for like two months, had a little thing of dust on them, you know, from just sitting there on the table. I said, I'm going to pop one of them in just for the heck of it and hear this guy that's going to be all hype and fluff. let me tell you, folks, it changed my life. And I became a fan the next day of that ministry because I began to hear words that were deep because the Holy Spirit took that message that someone else had heard that maybe they thought were shallow and it was very deep and personal to me. Has that ever happened to you, you know, somebody? You say, you say oh, oh I, I heard this message, and people come to me all the time, and they'll tell me, oh, that was a great sermon today, Pastor, I really enjoyed that. Uh, you preached on this and this and this, and I'm sitting there thinking, no, I didn't, you know, but I don't say anything because it's not about me. It's about how the Holy Spirit's taking that word and making it apply to your situation. And so even though I'm saying the same thing, you may be hearing something else because it goes through your filter, and the Holy Spirit will make it very personal and that's what happened to me with this message and then i watched the other dvd and watched the other one watched the other one and i watched all four of them and i began to watch them over and over and over again i began to tell my wife you've got to watch this and we began to watch i could probably quote all four of those sermons and <laughs> from those dvds because i watched them so many times and it ministered to me so much and it changed my whole perspective how many times have you been mad at somebody you don't even know because somebody else was mad at them and they didn't like them and they told you about why that, what they did and how they made me mad. And you're done mad at somebody and you, even, you see them in Walmart and you're done giving them the stink face or something. And they don't even know why. They're like, who are you? And you're like, look, there they are over there. Ooh, you don't blocked them on Facebook. <laughs> you don't even know them. You know, too often we allow things that we hear to influence us in a negative way. And we will absorb and we will dwell on this negativity that others may bring us. And we will take on other people's offenses. And we will take on other people's uh, thoughts and and their views of someone or something. And we have no idea. Because your attitude towards others is affected by the words you speak and the words you listen to. Because words are a direct reflection of our influences. They're a direct reflection of the things we allow in our lives to influence us. Matter of fact, Jesus said this in Luke chapter 6 and verse 45. He said this A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil things. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks let's just clear that up a little bit and help us to understand that the abundance that's what that's what you have the most of right i mean i have an abundance of something i i I, in in wisconsin you know we have an abundance of cheese right amen (laughs) Amen. and around my house there's an abundance of corn everywhere it's it's abundant i see it everywhere i turn and abundance is to mean to have a lot of something he says Out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. So that means whatever's in your heart the most is going to come out of your mouth. Now think about the things that you said this morning on the way to church. (laughs) Out of the abundance of your heart, whatever's in there the most, whatever influence you're allowing because your words are a direct reflection of your influences. So because of that, we've got to look at what we have allowed ourselves to be exposed to and influenced by. Who are the people that we go to and listen to and allow to influence us? What are the things we watch on television? What are the things that we allow to influence us? What types of books do we read? What type of people do we hang out with? It influences us and whatever's in there the most is eventually going to come out. Whatever's in your heart the most is going to come out. And whatever you allow in your life and expose yourself to is going to come out of your mouth. Now, I want you to understand this this morning, that victory does not come through church membership, and it doesn't even come through having someone to pray for you, because true and lasting victory in your life and in your home is going to start with you making a day-to-day decision to be influenced by God and His truth in the choices that we make. You see, a lot of people are looking, oh, I, I think that, you know, going to church is going to help me have victory in my life, and, and that's, that's where I'm going to find victory. Yeah, you may find some victory there. Uh, well, I just need somebody to pray for me. Yeah, you may find some victory there in your life. Well, let me tell you something, for lasting victory, I'm talking about day by day, you've got to change the things that you expose yourself to, or you're going to end up right back in the same boat that you done got out of. Amen, somebody. You see, if we don't change our habits, it doesn't matter that one instance that was temporary. It doesn't matter that one instance that we received a little breakthrough, a little victory. If we don't change what we do, we're going to end up right back where we started from. Right back where we started from. I remember the the show, The Biggest Loser. I watch that show a lot. I I like it. And uh, I have it on Netflix. And I watched the first season of it. And you know that that the first guy that ever won that show, I think his name was Ryan, won, won the first Biggest Loser. He looks like 145 pounds is ridiculous. Do you know he gained every bit of it and then some back after the show, every bit of it. Now it's going to be difficult for that guy to get that motivation back up to lose that weight, isn't it? Could you imagine losing 145 pounds and then gaining it all back? What changed? Well, he wasn't around Bob and Jillian and he wasn't on the Biggest Loser show anymore and all these things. No, no, no. What changed was his choices didn't change. His day-to-day choices did not change and what he allowed to influence his life and what he put in his body did not change and it and it changed him. Yeah, he had a breakthrough. He had a temporary moment of victory but let me tell you, folks, it's not just about feeling good after a Sunday morning service. It's not just about going, oh, I needed that little lift for the week. No, it's not just about that. It's about me going home, and it's about me making the decisions to continue to walk in that victory and grow in that victory. That's where real victory comes from. Amen? Amen. You know that verse where Jesus said, he who the sun sets free is... He said he's free indeed. I always wondered about that. You know, he who the sun sets free is free indeed. I'm, I'm sitting there going, he's free indeed. He's free indeed. He's more than free. The Bible says we are more than conquerors. How do we do that? By making the decision every day to walk in that freedom. Every day and growing in that understanding of that freedom and what we allow to influence us. What we allow ourselves to be exposed to is going to directly affect the decisions that we make and the words that we speak. It's out of the abundance of our hearts that our mouth will speak. Amen? The Bible says it like this in the book of Philippians chapter 4. If you want to turn there, you can. The book of Philippians in the fourth chapter and verse 8 says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things or think on the same thing over and over again. That's really what that word meditate means, just to think on the same thing over and over again. Think on it. Get it from here to here. Get it from your head to your heart. Don't let it just be something you know, let it be something that's a core value, that it's something that's a part of who you are, that's a part of your family, not just something we say we're about. Anybody can say they're about the right things. Anybody can say the things you want to hear, right? But a tree shall be known by what? It's fruit. A tree is going to be known by its fruit. You can't sit an orange tree sign in front of an apple tree and expect there to be oranges on it. It's an apple tree. It is what it is. How do you know that? There's a sign there that says orange tree. Yeah, but there's apples on the branches, right? Oh, but it says orange tree right here. You can call it an orange tree all day long. You can paint the tree orange. It's still going to make apples. You can paint the apples orange. There's still going to be apples. You can't change it because a tree is known by its fruit. So it's not just in what we say. It's in what we do. Amen? Amen man you see when we choose to follow god and allow him to influence our lives then the abundance of our heart will speak the words of life when we allow him to influence us and become the abundance in our life in other words we allow god to influence us more than the negative junk going on next door hello We allow him to influence us more than what the boss said or what someone else said or what's going on at this particular point in my life. And I allow him to influence me more than out of the abundance of that, my mouth is going to speak. And death and life is in the power of what? The tongue. Deuteronomy 30 and 19 says this in the NIV. This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I have set Before you, life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. There's a choice. I'm setting it before you, life and death, blessings and curses. You have a choice. You can choose how you want your day to go. Now listen to me. I want you to get this. We've got to stop focusing... On what happened yesterday. We've got to stop worrying about what's going to happen tomorrow. We got to focus on right now. Because the Bible says we're not promised tomorrow. But I'll tell you what. I'm here right now. And the things I choose to influence me. And the things I allow to influence me. And the things I choose to say. I can make those decisions right now. I can't go back in time and change what I said to my wife this morning. But I can change what I say to her right now. Amen? I can't change the fact that I made a, I made a mistake when, when I didn't properly discipline my child last night when they were acting up and I should have done something, but I can change what I do right now. Amen? I can't change the fact that my boss gives me a hard time and I know tomorrow that, that it's going to start all over again, but I can choose what I say and how I allow it to influence me and affect me by what I choose to say in return. See, I can get up in his face. Well, what about right now? Let's think about that. What am I going to do right now? Life and death set before me right now. We've got to take this thing day by day. You see, some people are at that breaking point where... All it takes is just that one thing that you say to them, and man, they're just they're, they're, they're putty, and they're just crying. Like You go to them, and you ask them for forgiveness, or you, or, or they, they in return say, oh, well, you forgive me because I was wrong, and I'm sorry, and oh, I love you so much, and I'm sorry I said those things. And that person's like, oh, I love you too so much. I'm sorry I said those things. And it's so wonderful, and it all happens just like that just because you just said one little word. But guess what? What about when it doesn't happen like that? What about when you put forth your good effort to try to make a relationship right or something in your home right and you're the one who goes to that spouse and you say you know what i'm, I'm sorry that i said this i i shouldn't have said that i i i, I'm, I, I forgive uh, I, I forgive you for saying the things you said to me will you forgive me for the things i said to you? and sometimes they might not react very kind in return they may not get you may not get the reaction you were hoping for you may not have that uh, embracing hug and let's everything's better all of a sudden just because you said one thing but let me tell you folks you've got to start somewhere oh let me say it slow so i could say it some more this morning y'all must not be listening to me i said you've got to start somewhere see you can't change that crazy coworker. she's still gonna be crazy tomorrow But you can can change how you react and the things you choose to say and the attitudes that you have, no matter what someone may say to you or about you. Amen? You take it day by day. Sometimes you do it right, and sometimes you want to get up in somebody's face and tell them what you really think. And sometimes you blow it. And that doesn't mean that you just throw your hands up. Nope. You say, Lord, forgive me. I want to do things the right way. I'm going to allow you to influence me more than this situation. And you take it day by day. Amen? You take restoring your marriage and your relationship with your spouse day by day. Day by day. Amen? You start showing that person kindness instead of talking bad about them behind their back or even to their face. You start reaching out to them and letting them know that you're there and that you love them. You start one day at a time. Your child just doesn't become perfect because all of a sudden you decide, I'm not going to do one, two, three anymore. I think I'm going to discipline you a different way. And all of a sudden it fixes everything. They didn't get that way overnight, folks. (laughs) Right? Day by day, one day at a time, decision by decision. And allowing ourselves to be influenced by God and His Word and letting him lead and guide and direct our lives. And we speak the things he wants us to speak. And we do the things he wants us to do. When we choose to speak life. You'll walk in victory. Hmm. See when we choose to speak life. When we choose to speak the life of God's word. We will walk in victory. If we want victory in our house. We've got to speak the word of life. The Word of God that Hebrews 4 and 12 says is sharper than any two-edged sword. It's alive, it's quick, it's powerful. It divides between soul and spirit. It divides between the thoughts and intents of our hearts. It divides between what is real and what is just temporary in feeling. And what is genuine and what is God's will. And what I would rather do. That's what the Word of God does. It divides. It tells you what's right and then what you was just thinking or your reasoning. The word of God divides, us quick, it's alive, and it's powerful. And when you choose to speak those words of life, you will walk in victory. You may not see the intended results that you wanted to see immediately, but you're going to take a step in the right direction towards victory. Amen? And then the next day, you're going to be a little bit more free. And the next day, you're going to be a little bit more free because you're understanding that to be free indeed, to be more than a conqueror, you're understanding that it takes me making those decisions to do what God wants me to do and say what God wants me to say day by day. Amen, somebody? The climate control of your home and the situation you may be facing right now is in you. You've got the climate control because you can control the way you Act in the way you react. You can't control somebody else. You can't. But you can control what you say. And how you act. And how you respond and react. You see. It isn't in the house. Because you're in the house. I believe that we should look forward. To coming home. Instead of dreading the inevitable torment. Of being there. Some people hate going home. You know what? Some people, they they would rather stay at work all day long so they don't have to go home. Because they don't want to face the junk that's going on in the house. Folks, let me tell you. I want to see us grow in our walk with God. I want to see us grow in our walk in victory to the point to where our homes are homes of peace and homes of order. Amen? Because the enemy... He's got a plan, and he wants to get things chaotic and out of order. And God says, no, I'm wanting to restore order, but it's got to start here. It's got to start today. It's got to start now. Amen? And it starts with us adjusting the temperature of what we say in our homes and in our relationships. Choosing to speak life will enable us to walk in victory. So I want to ask you this morning, what attitudes are you entertaining? What words are you speaking to your children? What words are you speaking to your wife, to your parents, your husband, your friends? What words are you listening to? And what influences are you allowing in your life? In the atmosphere of peace, you will find healing, you will find direction, and you will find rest. In the atmosphere of peace, you will find healing, you will find rest, and you will find direction. A lot of you, you have a bunch of questions. I don't know what God wants me to do. I don't know the right choice to make. Well, let me tell you, why don't you find that place of peace before you move on with any decision that you're going to make? Don't make a permanent decision based off of a temporary circumstance. You need to understand that you need to be led by the peace of God that will lead us and guide us into all truth. It's His peace, that peace of God that passes our understanding, that guards our hearts, and that guards our minds through Christ Jesus. You've got to understand that it's His peace that will heal us. You know, a lot of people are on a bunch of medicine and are sick because they're stressed out. It's not because there's really anything physically wrong with them, it's because they don't have any peace that they've got to dope up on all these things just to get peace. It's why people turn to illegal drugs. It's why people turn to alcoholism. It's why people turn to pornography. It's why people turn to illicit affairs because they're looking for something. They're looking for something. They're looking for that peace, looking for that completion, for that satisfaction. They're looking for something. They're searching because they don't have peace. For peace to be in your home means that you've got to give God your stuff and say, Lord, I'm just going to trust you and I'm going to do what you want me to do day by day. I'm going to make those decisions moment by moment to speak words of life and to allow your life to influence my heart. Amen, somebody? I want you to bow your heads this morning. I want to do something this this morning that... Uh, a little differently than what we normally do I want you to search within your heart this morning because I didn't mean for this message to be something heavy for you to make you feel bad on the contrary I, I want us to recognize these areas in our lives that we need to be speaking words of life and words of love and God's words in our life and allow him to influence us So if you're here in this place today, you say, Pastor Derek, as you were speaking those words today, I, I recognize that I need peace in my home. Maybe you need peace on your job. Maybe you need peace in your marriage. Maybe you need peace with your children. Maybe with your dad or your mom. Maybe you need peace with that uncle or that aunt or that person who has been doing you wrong all these years and there's just there's not peace in your life because these things have just consumed you maybe you're stressed out to the max and, and you just need peace I'm not going to ask you to come down or embarrass you or anything I just want you to simply let me know with every head bowed in this place just let me know that you're here just by putting your hand up and putting it ba- right back down you can put them right back down after you put them up I see hands all over this room there's hands all over this room going up you can put them back down And the reason I ask you to do that is because you need to recognize that you need peace in your home. You need peace in your heart. You need peace in your life. You need to recognize that things may be a little chaotic and things may be out of order. And we've got to recognize that. Otherwise, we're just pretending like it's not there. For us to grow as believers, for us to grow as men and women of God, we've got to recognize the areas that are out of control and out of order. That's why I want you to lift your hands this morning. And, And before we move on, I want to ask this question. If there's anyone in this place today that does not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, I'm going to give you the opportunity to receive Him today. I would love for you to pray with me this morning. If you're here in this place and say, I need Jesus in my life to be my Lord and my Savior. And you haven't said that prayer, I want you to lift your hand up and just let me know that you're here. Anyone in this place today. Amen. I see that hand. Anyone else? All right, church, would you help us pray this morning? Say, Jesus, I invite you into my heart today to make me new, to forgive me of my sin, and make me right with God. So forgive me and lead me. I'll follow you and commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now look up here for just a minute. If you said that prayer, I would love.